to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Being Green. I'm Glynis Crook. As several countries in Western Europe count the cost of the recent devastating floods and hopes fade of finding survivors, scientists are saying that this type of flooding could hit the region far more often in the future. Heavy rain last week made rivers and reservoirs burst their banks, triggering deadly floods across Belgium and Germany, with the Netherlands, Luxembourg and Switzerland also affected. At least 69 people died in Germany alone, while some 20 others lost their lives in Belgium. It's estimated that over a 1,000 people are still missing. I'm joined on the line now by Dr. Peter Johnston, a climate scientist at the University of Cape Town, Peter, could you explain to us what happened here in terms of the climate and why do you believe that this sort of catastrophic flooding will become more frequent? Thanks, Glynis. Yes, broadly speaking, this is what we call a hydrometeorological extreme. It's connected to an episode of extreme rainfall where they had a month's worth of rainfall in a day and that's kind of meaningless unless you, you know how much a month's worth of rainfall is in that place. But it was around about 170 millimetres. Um, which is more than we get in any month in Cape Town, all falling in one day on a catchment area which fed into some rivers. And these rivers naturally just couldn't take that kind of rainfall. And so they burst their banks and affected a whole lot of villages and towns. And this is in a highly developed country like Germany, Belgium, Netherlands. And Germany was specifically badly hit, A, because they were the sort of first site of the flooding, And secondly, because their early warning systems just didn't work very well for two reasons. One is that they are not that well orientated towards flooding as much as some of the other countries. And and I think it's kind of human nature. If these things don't happen very often, then you tend to get lackadaisical about it. And the second reason was that the people, when they were warned, thought, well, no, you know, previously when the rivers come down, we've been fine. And they didn't take the necessary precautions. And that's kind of a human human error. But I think <clears throat> with the right interventions like the Netherlands, where they've got very, very sophisticated water boards and, and water management, where they averted much of the disaster, and I don't think there are any deaths in the Netherlands, um, you know, one can make the necessary ad- adaptations or one can mm. respond to this kind of event. But it is without doubt an extreme event. And one asking why these are happening and whether they can happen more often, the answer is definitely linked to climate change. You know, we've had the seven hottest years in history since 2014. And this heat um, manifests in the atmosphere through increased evaporation and increased water content in the atmosphere, which is, you know, is really a recipe for heavy rainfall episodes. Climate change sceptics, of course, would say that these are cyclical events and that this was just another one. Yeah, of course. And and that's the problem with record events is they always say that this is the most rainfall since 1863 or 1924. And you ask yourself, well, what happened in those years? But the point is that these heavy rainfall events are happening more often. And whether it's cyclical or not, and we do understand that we have wet periods and dry periods, what we are experiencing is more extreme events. 
So instead of having a, you know, a wet season, which is just a lot of rainfall and all very nice for crops and filling dams and so on, or maybe a little inconvenient for people, what we're seeing now is extreme individual events. Uh, for example, the, the heating that's happening in, in the western United States. That is something that they haven't experienced before. Mm. And these places in Germany haven't experienced widespread floods like this in human history. To get back to the question that you raised of early warning systems and also preparation in terms of infrastructure, because we know that even if we reduce greenhouse gases, it's going to take some time before the earth cools. What are we doing here in South Africa? Are we doing enough here to prepare ourselves? Yes, that is a very good question because there are two aspects to it. One is that what are we doing about reducing our carbon emissions? And we are getting somewhere with that, even though we we love coal in this country and our emissions are particularly high in in terms of world comparison. But our contributions are still fairly small and they might not affect us. It's a global problem. So what we do have to consider is adapting to climate change. We've got various policies at different levels, you know, national policies and provincial policies that are looking at adapting to climate change. But the first thing one has to do is to see where our vulnerabilities are. So in South Africa, most of the models are saying that it's going to be drier in the West and slightly wetter in the East. And there's a lot of uncertainty associated with that. But without fail, they're all saying that we're going to get hotter. So the vulnerabilities connected to that increased heat are linked really mostly to things like agriculture and water supply. And agriculture is quite advanced. The Department of Agriculture and and local agriculture is quite advanced in looking at the responses to climate change, looking at the way crops respond to this extreme heat and the things that can be done to mitigate against that extreme heat. Peter, could you tell us what the government should be doing in, in a sentence or two, if it's possible? Well, I suppose the policies that they're instituting need to, need to be applied and need to be implemented, and that takes education and that takes some regulation, and that's quite difficult to force people to do things when they don't see it themselves. But it's, it's, it's instituting these things for the longer term so that planning can happen in the future, that we do have alternative crops and alternative ways of growing food and also ways of collecting water and saving water. So we need to look at recycling water and more efficient management of our water resources. And I think the plans are there. We just need the uh, population response. We need people to respond to this and people to say, yes, I'm going to buy into this. And for that, we need um, monitoring, evaluation, education, and, of course, enforcement. Thank you so much there to Peter Johnston, climate scientist at UCT. And that's it for this week. Until next time, from me, Crook, take care and goodbye. Being Green was brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. If we condense the history of Earth into 24 hours, then we've been around for a few seconds. A short time to create havoc, yet long enough to know that we have the power to make a difference to our planet. It starts at home, from the moment we wake up and turn on our energy-saving light bulbs. Switch on to a sustainable world with Galinda Moser from Remax Living, our passionate and proud sponsor of Being Green on Fine Music Radio.